And you guys, y'all look great. You uh, look like you're ready for a family pick uh, later on today. And uh, so kids, uh, you know, keep the... Try to keep clean, okay, until at least after the picture, okay? Uh, hey, we still have a few folks uh, coming in, and so if you could kind of scoot over, get to know the person to, you know, to your, you know, your left or right, kind of scoot, so we can leave some aisle seats that are free. So if you got a seat in the middle, you know, kind of, uh, cons- you know, uh, scoot on over, and that way we've got some uh, room uh, for some people who are coming in. So, um, well, uh, man, he is risen. He is risen. He risen He has risen. That's where we're going. That's what we're talking about this morning is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, today, and we are, we're joining with millions of Christians around the world to celebrate the resurrection and the impact that that makes on our lives. But before we kind of get into the text this morning, I just want to give us a a question to begin to think about in our minds and our hearts. Uh, A question that that every single one of us are going to have to answer at some point in our lives. And it, it would be better if we answered it sooner rather than later. And so here's the question is, uh, what do you believe uh, your ultimate future will be in regards to eternity? So, so what do you believe? When you think about your ultimate future, when you think about your forever destination, uh, what do you believe your ultimate future uh, will be in regards to eternity? Because so much of how you and I respond to uh, to life's ups and downs. So much of how what makes up who we are is determined by how you and I answer that question. And, and so it's so important for you and I to answer that question in our heads, our hearts, and our souls. And uh, that's not only true for us, but it was also true of the first century Christians. And, and what they believed about their ultimate future, their ultimate destination, their forever destination, it shaped the way they responded to what life threw at them. That in the, early, the first century, there were, there were a lot of plagues that would break out for the first, you know, first second, third uh, centuries uh, in the big cities uh, with sanitation the way it was. And so many people, when an epidemic would hit the city, uh, many people would flee to the countryside so they can kind of spread out a little bit and protect themselves. But many, many Christians would stay behind in the cities to take care of the sick and dying, putting their own lives at risk. Um, Christians were persecuted for their faith and they were, they were executed uh, for their faith. But instead of responding with violence and riots, they, they would pray for their enemies the way that Jesus had instructed them to. That uh, there was a lot of racial and ethnic tension that marked the big cities in the first and second and third century as people from different countries would come and live in proximity together. And the early Christian church was the first institution that welcomed everyone and said that race means nothing here. And, and so the question is, how were these early Christians, how were they so much more compassionate? How were they so much more forgiving? How were, how were they so much more inclusive than the culture around them? And as we do a little history and as we study their response, it was their belief and their ultimate future that impacted their lives. 
And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you brought your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to your table of contents. If you didn't bring your Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. Uh, but uh, turn to your table of contents and find the, book of, the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Okay, 1 Corinthians, I'll give you a little hint. That comes before 2 Corinthians. Okay, so if you're sitting some, beside somebody who's wearing their Aggie uh, Easter gear, you might need to help them a little bit. Uh, I'm just joking. Please, nobody leaves the church of that comment, okay? All right, I, I, I just had to get it out there, okay? Um, you guys on the front row, uh, uh, usually uh, fifth and sixth graders, third and fourth graders sit there. And so they preconditioned me that I, I pay attention to nothing, okay? So unless you guys are giggling and passing notes in front of each other, uh, you, you know, it's... That's what I'm used to, so you won't bother me. Uh, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning, um, as, we, as we answer the question, how can any of us, how can any of us be certain about their ultimate future in regards to eternity? And the Apostle Paul writes to us about this, and it says the key to answering this question is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when these early Christians looked at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it gave them absolute certainty, certainty of their ultimate future in regards to eternity, and it can do the same for us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Get ready for a little audience participation here. I just want to cue you up here. Uh, but the Apostle Paul writes in verse 1, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, and he, the reason why he says brothers and sisters is because he's writing to men and women and, and teenagers and children that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become brothers and sisters in our faith to one another. He says, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. Now, when Paul says the gospel, this is what he's talking about. He's not talking about church attendance. He, he, he's not talking about religious activity. But the gospel that he's talking about is that Jesus is the son of God. He was sent to earth. He lived the life that you and I cannot live, okay? That's living out God's law flawlessly. And that's what he did. And not only did he live the life that we can't live, he died the death that you and I deserve for not living up to God's standards flawlessly. And the gospel says that anybody who puts their faith in Jesus, puts their faith in Jesus's performance instead of our performance of trying to be really good and trying to rack up all these religious accomplishments will have eternal life, will have forgiveness of sin and eternal life. So when Paul says the gospel, that's what he's talking about, okay? So let's not be confused with church membership or church activities or religious activities or trying to earn our way into heaven. He's talking about Jesus and his gospel. So he says, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. Get ready to read along here. Which you, what's the next word? Received. received. Let's say it again. Which you? Received. One more time. Which you? Received. Now that's important. That's huge. Okay. That word, that's the key word right there that, and what Paul is telling us, and this is good news, is that this, where he's not talking about something that we earn, he's not something, talking about something that we work for, this isn't about what we deserve or don't deserve, it's not based on our past, it's not based on our potential, but, but this is something that we receive just like you and I receive a gift, okay? So, he says, I preach to you, which you have what? One more time received on which you have taken your stand. 
In other words, this is what you're going to build your future on. This is going to be the foundation of your life, that, you, that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty of your sin. And that when we put our faith in him, we have all the acceptance and all the approval and all the significance and all the love and all the hope and all the security that, that we need for this life and the life to come. And to stand on that means that when something goes down in our lives that, 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 that's difficult, that's a dark storm that kind of knocks us off a little bit that's something we can stand on because it's something that we've received nothing can take that away from us so on which by you've taken your stand get ready here I'm looking you up by this gospel you are by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you otherwise you would have believed in vain and so the gospel, Paul, Paul is talking about us trusting in the performance of Jesus, not in our performance. And the byproduct of you and I putting our faith in Jesus as the son of God and the savior of the world, living the life that we can't live, dying the death that you and I deserve, the byproduct is that we have forgiveness of our sin, past, present, and future. Paul goes on. Get ready. For what I for what I received, I passed, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> getting a little choked up here. For what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, Paul keeps talking, referring back to the scriptures, and he's not talking about the New Testament. The New Testament wasn't written yet. It wasn't recorded yet. But he's referring to all these Old Testament scriptures that point to the Messiah. And the Messiah was the one that God had promised to send to the people of Israel to rescue them, to redeem them. And a lot of Jewish people thought that the Messiah was gonna be maybe this military general that would rise up and kick out the Romans and make Israel a superpower again. Maybe a political figure, maybe a religious, religious figure, but probably not. And so he, Paul keeps saying, hey, this isn't something we're making up. This is something that the, that, that the scriptures have been pointing to for hundreds and hundreds of years. And Jesus' death and resurrection wasn't just a series of <coughs> random events. But it was part of God's plan to rescue, to save mankind before that God put into play before the beginning, before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. Go to verses five through eight. You can relax now. That was the most participation. Okay, you guys did a great job, by the way. I appreciate that. Um, verse five, Paul writes. He says, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most who are still living. Now that's significant. We'll come back to that. Though some have fallen asleep. In other words, some of them have passed away. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles and the last uh, and last of all, he appeared to me also as the one who is abnormally born. In other words, he didn't hang out. He wasn't part of the original 12 that got to hang out with Jesus. And so, so, okay, how does this give us certainty? Well, in this part of the world at this time, there was basically two worldviews. 
and a worldview is how we look at society, how we respond to culture, how we view the universe. It's just, it's how, it's, it's just how we respond to life. That's our worldview. And we have certain truths and certain principles and certain standards that, that shape the way that we respond, the way we think, the way we process. And uh, there was, about, there was you know, just a few worldviews uh, in this era. And the Greeks and Romans... Um, their worldview about eternity was that they believed that the body was weak, the flesh was weak, okay? And that, that death, if anything, was a liberation of the soul. Uh, and, and so they, they didn't really believe in eternity and they didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe a dead man could walk again. The Jews, they believed in a resurrection, but they, they thought the resurrection would happen at the end of time, okay? And, and that in their worldview, there was no room for a bodily resurrection in the middle of time. They, they, they saw that as impossible. But yet thousands of Jewish people, thousands of Greeks, thousands of Romans began to believe in something that their worldview didn't allow for. That a man was bodily resurrected and proved that he was the, indeed the son of God and the savior of the world. Now, another thing we need to know, and this is what Paul talks about, is hundreds and hundreds of people saw Jesus, okay? Some people said they saw him one-on-one. Uh, some people said they saw him in a group. And then, and then, then 500 people said they saw him uh, at the same time. And there was hundreds and hundreds of people who said, we saw him, we heard him, we talked to him, we put his, our, our fingers into his nail-scarred wrist. And Paul says, if you don't believe me, go talk to the eyewitnesses. Go talk to the people who were there and they saw it happen. And so hundreds and hundreds of people saw and talked to Jesus. And then they went and they told their neighbors. They told their coworkers. They told their teammates. They, they, they told their, uh, their classmates. And thousands of people began to put their faith in Christ. They say, hey, I know this sounds crazy. I know this sounds impossible. And I never thought it would be possible either. But I saw him and I talked to him. And as a result, thousands of people put their faith in Jesus. Now, where does this leave us? Let's bring you and I into the equation. Because if you and I were to say, well, I just can't believe this. I'm here because grandma made me be here, okay? Or I'm here because, you know, mom put us on this big guilt trip and she bought these new clothes and, you know, we got this big lunch and, you know, I'm just here, you know, just to make mama happy. Well, good for you. Okay, number one, way to be here. But, but if you and I, if we were to say, I just can't believe this, that my worldview doesn't allow me to believe that a dead man, and not just a little bit dead, but all the way dead, came back to life. Well, you know what? Neither did theirs. The facts challenged their worldview. So why not let the facts challenge ours? That when the early Christians were told that they were being thrown into an arena of lions, they handled it. When they were being burned at the stake, they handled it. Now, I know you and I are not facing lions, but maybe some of us this morning are facing tumors. And the doctor has said to us, hey, we don't really know what this is. We're going to go and biopsy biopsy that. But, But how do we handle that? And I know nobody's being burned at the state today, but some, for some of us, man, we are burning through money because of the economy. And we kind of see the writing on the wall and we're hand, heading for a financial pitfall. How do we handle that? 
How do we handle the uncertainty that comes with life? How do we handle the broken hearts of broken relationships? Don't we want what they had? So they didn't get it through just wishful thinking. You know what that is, right? It's like, you know, you think it's going to work out? I sure hope so. You know, think the Rangers are going to finish over 500? I sure hope so. That's wishful thinking. But they had this certainty about them. Because listen, think about it. The disciples, all of them except for one, were tortured to death. Now you would think if it was a hoax, if they made it up, sooner or later, at least one of those guys would cry uncle. So, okay, 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 I, I, I confess, we made it up, we stole the body, we hid it, and if you go here, this is where you can dig up the body, but no, oh, please stop. Nobody did that. They all died for their faith. Nobody's dying for a lie. 500 people at the same time said they saw him, and I don't care what kind of drug you're taking, 500 people aren't having the same hallucination, right? So, so 500 people saw him. So, so if, if I don't believe, here's the deal, if I don't believe in the resurrection, then I have to come up with a perfectly good historical explanation for this worldview shift. I have to come up with a historical alternative explanation for the birth of the Christian church. And you and I, we need to think, let's say that word together, think, let's say it again, we need to think. And let it challenge our, our worldview and allow the Holy Spirit to bring you hope as your head and your heart come around who Jesus Christ is. And if we do, we will have the same faith. And we'll be able to face tumors. We'll be able to face medical hardships. We'll be able to face broken hearts, broken relationships. We'll be able to face financial downfalls. We'll be able to face it with joy and with peace and confidence and hope because we have a confidence about our future. Now, it doesn't mean that things are gonna work out the way we want them to on this side of eternity. But the Bible says that because of Jesus, all things will be made right and new when we step into that side of eternity. Now, Paul goes on, and I'll I'll close with this briefly, but... The second thing about this passage, it describes what our future actually looks like. If you jump ahead to verse 55, the apostle Paul, he taunts sin and death. He says, where, where, oh, death is your victory? You know, where, where, oh, death is your sting? It's kind of like in the gladiator movie when, when Maximus says, are you not entertained? He's mocking the crowd. And here, Paul, he's mocking death. He's mocking sin. Where, oh, death is your victory? Where, oh, death is your sting? And the word sting here, it doesn't just mean a bite, okay? Like from a a spider. Uh, But it's not the sting, but it's the poison sting. It's the poison in the sting. It was a word that was used for a scorpion bite, which could be fatal for some people or lethal. And what's interesting about this is that it's not the bite that kills you, but it's the poison in the bite. Verse 56, it says, the sting, get ready to read along, uh, participate here. And the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he what? He what? He gives us victory. 
Notice that Paul didn't write, hey, he gives us the opportunity to earn victory. He gives us opportunity to perform our way in to God's good graces. He doesn't say that. He says that he, what? Gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, this gospel is not about what you and I can do for God. It's about what God has already done for us. Boy, I didn't get an amen. I mean, a little Easter crowd here. I mean, I mean, let me let me try that again. That that uh, that this isn't about what we can do for God. This is about what God has already done for us. Thank you. Oh, right now I feel better. It even says in my cue, audience says amen. So anyway, I'll give you guys the sermon notes next year. See, the fear of death, and that's the poison. That's the sting. And, and I, I, I sit with people from time to time that are on their deathbed and always facing death. It's one or two, it's one or two um, responses. It's either, it's either they have this joyous peace and expectation, sometimes and even an excitement, or this fear of the unknown. And, and, and I think it's the fear of people don't really know if there's a judgment or not. And if there is a judgment, they're thinking, well, what? They start to kind of, you know, add up all the things they've done wrong and all the things they've done right. And, and, and the human heart knows that we never can, our good can ever outweigh the bad. But the Bible comes and tells us, oh, there, there, it's not if there's a judgment. No, there is a judgment. You can be certain that there is a judgment, but the Bible says that Jesus came to take on our judgment for us. That Jesus said, he said to many people, he said, I didn't come to bring judgment. I came to bear judgment. And the resurrection of Jesus, really what we're celebrating today is God's way of stamping across every human heart that puts their faith in Jesus paid in full. Your sin debt has been paid in full. And for the, for the person that's a Christian, for the person that's put their faith in Jesus, death is stingless. Death has no poison. Now, death is going to bite all of us, okay? We're all, going to, we're all going to die. I mean, one day. There's two guarantees in life, right? There's taxes, which, hello, April 15th next week. Uh, and, and then there's death. But for the Christian, for the believer, for the follower of Jesus, it's a stingless, stingless death. See, God gives us the victory over death through Jesus. That victory is not achieved by our efforts or our obedience or our performance. But victory comes through faith and faith alone. And the performance of Jesus through his life, his death, and hello, his resurrection. And when God's grace finds us and we respond by transferring our trust or our confidence or our faith to him. Not only do we have forgiveness of sin, but we have eternal life. That our forever destination is secure. So and the band's going to come and they're going to lead us and we're going to respond. We're going to respond big. But before, 
before we do, I just want to give you an opportunity. And you don't have to come forward. I, I just want we'll to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. That maybe you came today and, man, you've heard a lot of Easter sermons before. But maybe today, it wasn't anything special. But, but the Holy Spirit just opened your heart. Opened your mind. Gave you ears to hear and eyes to see. And I just want to give you an opportunity to put your faith, to transfer your faith from yourself and from your good behavior and your good deeds to the performance of Jesus on your behalf. So I'm just going to ask everybody to pray, to close your eyes and that you would bow your, bow, bow your heads and your hearts. And if you are a Christian, that you would just begin praying for those in the room that aren't. But if you're here today and you want to put your faith in Jesus, I'm just going to ask that just to yourself, between you and God, that you would just pray a prayer that would go something like this, that Father... Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, as the savior of the world and as my savior. And today I put my faith, I transfer my confidence and my trust to him instead of me. That I can't be good enough, even on my best day, to have eternal life. So I'm trusting what Jesus has done to do it for me. Thank you for forgiving of my, all of my sin, past, present, and future. And thank you for giving me victory over sin and death. And from this day forward, Jesus, show me how to live my life for you. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, and I just welcome to the body. We now get to call your brother or sister. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand up, but I, I would just encourage you to tell somebody that you came with. Maybe see me, see a staff member before you leave. Because we would love to be able to say, hey, here's the next step for you um, as you follow Christ um, in this newfound faith. But uh, let's stand and let's, uh, let's celebrate uh, what God has done today.